Welcome, it's indisputable, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, me. In the bullpen segment, my debate segment, we have Mr. Satyajit Mara. He's been on here before. We're going to break down Russian sanctions and what they actually mean, not only to Vladimir Putin, but to the country of Russia and the international conflict. Top story of the day. There's a man, a father, who went into a church, he was inside of a church, shoots his three children and also kills himself. Put up a picture of the killer, okay? Now this story has a lot of twists and turns and it shows not only criminality, but also systemic failures on top of each other. This man fatally shot three of his children and another adult at a Sacramento church Monday night before killing himself. He has now been identified as 39 year old David Rojas. That's according to the Sacramento County Coroner's Office. Now, here's what's interesting. This information is starting to come in now. He was not allowed to have a gun. Based on his background, he should not have had access to a gun, but he did. So authorities are now investigating, well, how did he get access to a weapon when he was barred by law due to his background from having it? Well, I can tell you how he got access to a gun. The United States of America has a gun culture. It is easy to get a gun without going through the legal process or protocol in order to have one. We have a gun culture in the United States. Do you think people give a damn about your policy when there is a culture that eats policy alive? His three daughters have been identified, this is so sad. Nine-year-old Samara Mora Gutierrez, 10-year-old Samantha Mora Gutierrez, and 13-year-old Samia Mora Gutierrez. Nathaniel Kong, 59 years of age, was supervising the family visit. He was also killed in the shooting. Now, according to the background of this story, the man who committed these murders was actually staying at the church. It was part of a program and the church would allow for these supervised visitations. Well, the reason why the visitation was supervised is because the killer had a history of violence and a history of mental health disorders. There was a memorial for the three young girls. Here's the makeshift memorial to celebrate their life. There's more. The killer had a restraining order against him and had to visit his kids with supervision, according to the Sacramento County Sheriff. Scott Jones told reporters earlier the children's mother was cooperating with authorities. The incident was the 70th, yeah, you heard that right, 7-0. Mass shooting in 2022, according to CNN in the United States, with at least four people injured or killed, not including the shooter, according to Gun Violence Archive. No one else in the church 
at the time of the shooting was involved. Sacramento Metropolitan Fire District Captain Parker Wilborn told CNN. Most were employees or congregates, he said. No one else at the scene required medical aid. It's not clear whether a service or event was happening at the church at the time. The fire official previously told CNN that the fifth person found dead was identified as the shooter's wife. We now believe that obviously to not be true. CNN reached out to try to get clarification on that. We do not believe that reporting is accurate from CNN. Governor Gavin Newsom described the shooting as another senseless act of gun violence in America. Our hearts go out to the victims, their families and their communities. So let's talk about the failures here. One, you have a protocol in the state that allows for supervised visitation, either a social worker and a facility or a police department. Police precincts will allow for these supervised visitations when there's a history of violence or violent mental health disorders. They will allow for that. That was something the church decided not to engage in. It is an open opportunity partnership for churches that do this kind of work to engage in. I understand that those at this ministry, they thought they were doing the right thing and they wanted to be helpful. But there is a reason why protocol does exist. There's a reason why best practices do exist. In this case, if possibly if the best practices protocol would have been followed, These children would be alive, that supervisor would be alive, and the individual who killed them, who obviously also needed mental health, mental health care, would be alive as well. Here's another failure. He was not legally allowed to have a gun, not by way of that facility, not on the property, and also not by law. He was not supposed to have a weapon. Somewhere it broke down. And don't automatically think that somebody from the street sold him a weapon. He could have very well received this weapon from a store, from a gun collector, a gun salesperson. It does not mean he got the gun off the street. The problem is the systemic failures as it relates to gun regulation in America. Now, what are Republicans passing all over the country? They're passing a law called constitutional carry. They want to deregulate the industry of guns even more. They want to make it so easy for people to have guns that it would be illegal for law enforcement to ask, do you have a permit for that weapon? They want to make sure that it's illegal for someone to do a check or to have a license before they have a gun. That's what constitutional carry means. Our hearts and prayers are with the family that's remaining out of this violent saga. But we continue to see how policy impacts real people every day. State of the Union, Biden said a whole lot of nothing. Now, I still give him a C plus in the overall analysis, but let me break down some elements of this State of the Union that should concern you. Now, he boldly said, fund the police, fund the police as a way to categorize his difference of opinion connected to defund the police, which is connected to Black Lives Matter, which is connected to the movement for equity and justice in the United States of America. Now remember, black folks showed up for Joe Biden. 
Black people showed up for Joe Biden, showed up for the senators that Joe Biden endorsed. Here's some of that. I know what works, investigating crime prevention and community policing, cops who walk the beat, who know the neighborhood, and who can restore trust and safety. Let's not abandon our streets or choose between safety and equal justice. Let's come together and protect our communities, restore trust, and hold law enforcement accountable. That's why the Justice Department has required body cameras, banned choke calls, and restricted no-knocks warrants for its officers. That's why the American Rescue Plan that you all provided $350 billion that cities, states, and counties can use to hire more police, invest in more proven strategies. Proven strategies like proven strategies like community violence interruption, trusted messengers breaking the cycle of violence and trauma, and giving young people some hope. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police. Fund them. Fund them. Fund them with reason. Let me count the ways here. Police departments all across the United States of America have received more funding in the last two years than in the history of the existence of a known police department in the United States of America. It has not decreased crime, it has not resolved, it has not created remedy for injustice and violence. You still have record police involved murders, you have record police involved prosecutions where they are prosecuted by the local, state, or federal government. More money has not solved that problem. And as a matter of fact, I want you to think of it this way. If your city or your county is bragging about hiring more cops and you are applauding that, do you understand what they're actually saying? They're telling you they cannot solve the problems. If your county, your city is hiring more cops, cops are reactionary to crime. If your city is hiring more cops, that means that they need more reaction to crime, which also means they have not addressed the criminality in their city or county. That's what it means. Hiring cops, more cops is not something to brag about. The need for less cops is what you brag about because crime has decreased so much, we have to now restrict the number of cops we hire because we don't need as many cops anymore. That's the idea. That should be the goal to have less cops in your city, not more cops, because police officers are reactionary agents. It's not creative for these cities to simply tell you, we're going to hire more cops. Now applaud for us while we do nothing to decrease crime. Ithaca, New York, we had the mayor of Ithaca, New York. He just got out of that office a few days ago, but he created a program that did hire more workers but not more cops. He hired individuals who could connect to the community and they have been thriving as a city. You have these progressive ideas all over the country. Now, I gotta remind folks why they keep saying defund the police is a bad thing. Remember, defund the police is about reprioritizing the police budget. It is not about taking away, taking away any of the police. That is not the issue. That is not what we're trying to do with defund the police. 
But here's what actually does defund the police. Lawsuits defund the police. Corrupt cops defund the police. Police stealing funds defunds the police. Union bosses like the one in New York who just got indicted was stealing from the police. Those are the people that defund the police. All right, um, Biden touted funding the American Rescue Plan, the pandemic relief package passed under his watch that local governments can use to bolster police forces. Biden's push against defunding the police echoes the recent stance of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who last month said the slogan is dead and not Democrats position. Uh, Speak for your damn self. I'm still yelling defund the police, reprioritize the police budget, actually resolve the underlying issues of criminality. Some jurisdictions, 80% of the people in their local jail are there because of crimes of survival, crimes of trespass, crimes associated with drugs, alcohol, and mental health disorder. How in the hell is hiring a new cop going to solve that? Defund the police. Congresswoman Cori Bush called out the president on Twitter for avoiding the topic of racial issues in America. Let's put that up. Cory Bush said, with all due respect, Mr. President, you did not mention saving black lives once in this speech. All our country has done is given more funding. The result question mark. 2021 set a record for fatal police shootings. Defund the police, invest in our communities. Okay, listen, it's going to take a real paradigm shift for this to change. Let's bring this back to a common sense discussion. Police agencies are local public servants. They serve the public good of the local community funded by the tax base of that local area. You have many government departments, you have watershed management, you have transportation. Have you ever heard anyone say, you know, watershed management is corrupt, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure they get better training. No, they get fired or they get arrested. Why is it that policing is the only industry in government where no one is talking about replacement and holding them truly accountable? All right, just my two cents about the State of the Union. Once again, Minneapolis, they're lying. You remember when they told you, hey, you know, we're gonna do the moratorium on no-knock warrants. After violating the moratorium on no-knock warrants, they're still doing no-knock warrants. They did a no-knock warrant to find a dog. I kid you not. Let me remind you of what happened to Mr. Amir Locke. Here it is. Mr. Amir Locke was a registered gun owner, not subject to the investigation, not a target a target of the warrant. This happened in Minneapolis. The mayor said that he had a policy 
which created a no knock warrant policy ban, except for extreme situations. Well, we found out that that was simply a lie. And now after the death of Amir Locke, you have the mayor, he goes on television, he says, we have now a moratorium, him and the interim police chief. We have a moratorium now on no knock warrants. Oh, Okay, it's for real this time, all right? It's for real this time. Well, not according to the practice of the police. Okay, reporting from local news station KR11, KARE11 notes, the mayor and the police chief, Arredondo announced that Minneapolis was changing its policy to put strict limits on the use of no knock warrants. All right, we talked about it here on Indisputable. Four months prior to a raid at the home of Princess Fort, which took place as the nation was gripped by fallout over the deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor at the hands of police. They found that a heavily armed SWAT team yelled police search warrant at the front door of Fort and her now former boyfriend, Marvin Johnson. In the early morning hours, March 17, 2021, before knocking in the door with a battering ram, one officer reportedly fired shotgun rounds through the door a mere six seconds into the raid, while another officer broke their windows from outside. Let me show you a clip of the body camera footage, okay? This is them breaching the door, a shotgun blast did that. Inside the officers encountered Fort and Johnson, who were barely clothed and handcuffed them making them sit on a couch with only blankets to cover their bodies. The two repeatedly asked what was going on and requested permission to put on underwear. This is crazy, sobs Fort, who begs the officers according to the report, which reviewed the body camera footage to stop the destruction of things in her home. Please, please don't break nothing else. Please just don't break nothing else. Let me show you a picture of them zip tied to their own furniture while SWAT runs through their home breaking things. I would have to say that we've been very cordial, a SWAT officer tells them. There's a search warrant going on, okay? (laughs) The guy said they have been cordial after shooting their door in. To get us here, something big is going on, he explains. Where is the baby pit bull? That's on the recording, everybody. Where is the pit bull? Now, I'm an animal lover. I love animals. I've rescued cats for years. But you have to think about the extreme here to shoot in a door and search for a pit bull. Now, it's a cute pit bull. I give them that. Put up a picture of the pit bull. Okay. You know, those two individuals on the couch could be dead right now because of their tactics. And that's what I'm highlighting in this segment. Authorities say a couple who breeds pit bulls claimed Johnson met with them after finding them on Facebook. And that is they showed him a puppy for sale for $2,000. He allegedly took the dog and ran off. As Johnson ran, according to the allegation, the two say a gun fell out of his pants and he picked it up and pointed it at them. The puppy and handgun were recovered from the home, however, The investigation questions the need for such an invasive raid 
for a pit bull. Fort, who was reportedly given the puppy by Johnson as a gift, and her four-year-old son were evicted and left homeless as a result of the incident. So I want to I want you to understand the cause and effect relationship here. The mother, the woman, she received the pit bull as a gift. If this crime happened, she knew nothing about it. But because of the way they came into that apartment, the apartment complex decided to evict her. Now this would have been handled as a theft, then you don't have a shotgun to the door, you have an arrest made. And he gets his day obviously in court still. According to the report, Johnson was eventually charged with aggravated robbery and possession of a firearm. But once again, the question is the tactic, right? The question is the tactic and according to the mayor of Minneapolis, them doing a no knock warrant in that scenario is now against policy. Who's going to hold them accountable? All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, good to be with you. We're gonna have coming up Kay Bain, founder and executive director of Community Capacity Development. will be contributing to the stories today. Uh, let me go to some of these comments. I cannot read all of them. I will read as many as I can. Thank you for opining. Uh, before I do that, let me remind everybody the watch list, okay? J.R. Jackson, beautiful show. I mean, remarkable show. Watch live every weekday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Find out what stories you should be paying attention to in news, politics, culture, current events, sports, and more. This is a new 10 week test series on TYT. Make sure to support J.R. Jackson by watching live, all right? And don't forget to subscribe and follow youtube.com forward slash watchlist TYT and facebook.com forward slash watchlist TYT. Aspiration, all right? Aspiration has the first ever credit card that gives the user the ability to eliminate their carbon footprint. Each time the card is swiped, Aspiration's global partners will plant a tree. Now you can fight the climate crisis through your wallet, eliminate your carbon footprint. Get cash back while doing so. Want to find out more information? Get started. Go to tyt.com forward slash zero, the word zero. All right. Um, shop TYT mug. Uh, we got the big homie. That's the big homie, man. So Brett is turning 40. All right. Um, you know, that's surprising. I, I knew he was at least 50. I said, Brett is at least 50, 51. <laughs> now he looks younger than 40. Just joking. He can appreciate the humor. Um, Shop TYT, Shop TYT just released their first piece of happy half hour merchandise. And I have to say, is really damn awesome. All right. Check it out. The sure, let's call it coffee mug available for pre order now at shoptyt.com. I want somebody, you know, take it to work. Okay. Just see how people respond to it. All right. Let us know. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel great. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Really? I'm not racist. I just don't like the fact that you people are taking over everything. You bitch and complain about this and that. But everything personal.
as I have said before many times on Indisputable, we provide a few things here with the Karen highlights. Obviously, the Karenicity runs deep in this one. We provide a mirror, a mirror for reflection and a mirror for correction. This is out of Canada. The location that this Karen is in has a makeup, I'm talking about ethnicity makeup, predominantly Asian, 46% East Asian, 20% white, 5% black is noted in that particular community. So the question is, if she is such a racist individual, why does she go to places where she is bound to run into individuals who do not look like her? Maybe that's done intentionally. Bane, what are your thoughts here, brother? Well, so first and foremost, thank you for having me again, my good brother. Pleasure as always to be here. It was interesting that this young lady was given a lecture and a speech on racism, but did not understand the definition of racism. I think it was (laughs) Chris Rose who talked about structural racism being the normalization and legitimization of an array of dynamics, historical, cultural, institutional, and interpersonal that routinely advantage whites. Mm-hmm. While producing cumulative and chronic adverse outcomes for people of color. That is a definition definition of racism, not what she was saying. I, I don't know where people are getting these definitions, but the power and the prejudice have to both be there for us to be having a conversation about racism. Yeah, and that's interesting how you contextualize that because I agree completely. And some of my white students are always surprised, especially when they are Experiencing their first semester with me, I say, listen, people of color cannot be racist. Cannot. They cannot be racist because racism requires prejudice plus power. Racism is an ism, it is a team sport, basically, and it's the structure of it has to be intentionally deconstructed. Mm-hmm. It's a design thing. And if you are not part of the design, you are not inside of that thing. All right, so you can be in charge of helping deconstruct it. You can be a leader in that sense, but you can never be racist in the traditional sense. You can be bigoted, absolutely, but you cannot be racist. Racist requires power and prejudice. All right, Um, talking about discriminatory actions, let me take you to Israel. I know some people don't like me telling the truth about Israel, but it's going to be told here. Let me show you the video of what's happening in Israel. Oh, 
I know the world is focused <clears throat> on the conflict in Ukraine. What you just witnessed were Israeli forces, police forces, brutalizing, assaulting, attacking Palestinians, including children. What you saw should shock your soul. They were being sprayed with a substance that smells like rotting flesh. They were being beaten. As a matter of fact, one of those clips is a child, a female child being beaten, physically beaten with fist by Israeli police. Now there are some Israeli based groups that have come out against this discriminatory activity. And they are denouncing the Israeli police for acting in such a manner against Palestinians. So I do not want you to take away from this that all Israelis think alike no more than all Americans think alike. They are not monolithic. But this is a truth that we have to highlight because this has barely been covered on the national scale. But we were covered on this national show. Let me give you some background. This was yesterday, Palestinians gathered together to do what? To celebrate their religious festivities. And they have been met with not only threats, but also physical violence. The festival includes face paintings, they sell particular items. Um, it's a celebration, okay? So I'm gonna get into that in a minute. Israeli police attacked Palestinians at Damascus Gate in Jerusalem um, who were celebrating uh, their Muslim holiday religious festival, festival making Prophet Muhammad's journey to the heavens, all right? Uh, and this is something that's common is, is done and it's uh, typically uh, celebrated uh, by those who identify across the globe, all right? Tensions grew in the city as more people arrived um, at Al-Aqsa Mosque. The Israeli police assaulted and clashed with Palestinians before bringing a sewage water vehicle to disperse the protesters, all right? And they say you can't get this smell out of your skin for days, okay? Dozens of Palestinians were injured and others were detained. Sources in Jerusalem said the occupation forces arrested at least four civilians, including a child, after assaulting them. You had stun grenades shot directly at Palestinians. It injured multiple children. This is a picture of an 11 year old girl who was a special needs child who was shot in the face. She has a broken jaw. She has a massive laceration on her face and on her neck. Look at that. There's also a six month old baby who was injured from the shrapnel from the grenade. Updated numbers, Israeli forces reportedly injured 31 Palestinians, arrested 20. Many of those arrested were under the age of 15. They were simply exercising a festival right based on their religion, not harming anyone. This was not even a protest. This was an exhibition of their values. And this is what happened. The confrontations raised doubts about an Israeli decision to reduce tensions in the region before Ramadan. 
which this year falls at the beginning of April. The Israeli authorities had decided to forego the iron barriers at the Damascus Gate area this year during Ramadan month. It will instead allow cultural activities, including opening Ramadan tents and kiosks, selling food and sweets to maintain calm. However, the Palestinians first celebration in the region held after the decision was met with police violence. Let me remind everybody, Israeli police force, they are the civilian police. They are under the direct jurisdiction of the Minister of Public Security. It is a nationalized police force, okay? All right, Bane, what are your thoughts on this? What comes to mind immediately, bro, is um the late great Nipsey Hussle. Yeah. What would, how would you react if we murdered your children? Mm. He said in a verse, how would you react if we murdered your children? My mind goes to law enforcement and the abuse of power. You were talking earlier about defund the police. And if that's realistic or the reactions that are happening around United States with regard to that terminology. Something is going on in the training and the psychology of those we are entrusting to, to co-produce public safety. Again, it's public safety. So anytime we're, we're reaching for that, there has to be buy-in by a myriad of community stakeholders. It's not one agency or entity's duty or responsibility to produce justice or public safety, but something's going wrong here and abroad when we see this type of behavior. These are entrusted people. I think that persons in this seat or capacity of law enforcement should have to have your education level of a PhD or better. If you're gonna carry a firearm, if you're gonna be militarized on that level, there needs to be a standard that well exceeds what we have now. Just a thought on how we should radically revolutionize what we call law enforcement and public safety. You make a really compelling argument about who is attracted to the position. Who is attracted to the position? And that's why I've always advocated for six months in, you have to do a psychological evaluation for the rest of your career every six months. Because sometimes a psychologist may miss it. And other times the cop you hired on day one is not the same cop a year from that day. All right, I and love you it. need to pick up on that. Okay. I love it, I love yeah. it, I love it. That is from that, that's, we should write that policy brother, that's real. Yeah, and some it. some places are doing it, not the six months. We got one place that's doing it every two years. I know the city of Atlanta was entertaining it um, as a policy guide rather than a policy mandate. But it has to be mandated for it to be enforced. You already know how that works. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back. All right, we got a lot of comments, let's get to it. Uh, TYT member Shakita Ganai Beer Dragon says, Canadian Karen, stay away from me. Canadian Karen, woman, let me be. Cena uh, Hogaboom, even racists north of the border don't know history. Yeah. Um, Greyhound Dragon says, Karen isn't even talking to anyone on the phone. Well, of course she is, a Greyhound Karen. She's talking to her imaginary racist friend. <laughs> That's on the other end. Very disturbing story. Bounty hunters, in my opinion, murder a man. We have the video, here it is. That's wild right there. Okay. Show a black man. Uh-huh. At the result. Man. They jump out. 
Okay. They kill him. They kill him. He had no time to respond. He had no idea who was chasing him. He had no idea who was jumping out of their vehicles and playing close. He didn't know any of this. All right, they kill him. Um, so this happened in Houston. A group of bounty hunters gunned down and killed a black man during a botched warrant raid. Despite this, the bounty hunters have not been arrested for his death. I got some information on uh, the company that these bounty hunters are connected to. Uh, the bounty hunters claim uh, they announced themselves and it was the suspect who fired first. But surveillance videos show not the case. All right, let's put up a picture of the man they killed. The man that was killed was 31 year old Walter Hutchins who leaves behind a newborn baby. Now remember, these are not cops. These are bounty hunters. The bounty is the money. These are money hunters. This man is dead because they wanted money. That's why he's dead, because our justice system allows for this kind of foolishness. What they were supposed to do is directly identify this is the person in the warrant and they could have called law enforcement if they believed that this would have been an issue with apprehending him. Or they were supposed to identify themselves in a way that absolutely makes no one doubt who they are. They didn't do either because they wanted the money. Civil rights and personal injury attorneys Ben Crump and Bob Hilliard questioned the intentions of the bounty hunter, whether or not the hunters would have received incentive even if Hutchins was killed. Here's the quote, they sat there for six hours. Remember, the bounty hunters sat there for six hours instead of calling the Houston Police Department and inviting them to arrest Walter. That's because their bounty was contingent during the arrest, during the retention. What's going to be interesting to find out is does the bounty care whether you bring them in dead or alive? Christopher Powell, a private investigator who has spent more than a decade tracking and taking down fugitives had this to say. I make sure we are properly identifiable, Powell said. We have badges, we have our vest, they have patches on them that show what we are. The area they're in is Fifth Ward and obviously it's late at night, just running up on someone in plain clothes. They don't know what's going on. They don't know if you're gang affiliated, if you're doing a robbery, if you're about to steal their car, that is correct. Mr. Powell, okay? In terms of charges against the bounty hunters, Houston police said the investigation into Hutchins' death is still ongoing and that findings of the investigation will be presented to the DA's office, which will decide what, if any, charges the bounty hunters will face. Now, that's already a cop out, no pun intended, because Houston PD, they have the authority, the jurisdiction to arrest the bounty hunters directly. They are already telling you, no matter what they find in their investigation, they are not going to affect the arrest. They're not going to do it. Even if they find probable cause to arrest, they're going to simply hand that information over to the DA's office for them to make the decision. This is why people don't like the police. A reliable source told Fox 26 News 
that two bounty hunters involved work for a company called Fearless Bail Bonds. Put them up, give them some business. Fox 26 News gave them a call, but they chose not to comment. Um, so I'm sure they're gonna get more calls. Now the phone number is 713-862-8888. They are located at 4402 North Main Street, Suit B, Houston, Texas 77079. Every time I do this, all right, I get a group of pro-law enforcement people. They call me the N-word, they threaten my life. I'm scared of none of them, they're cowards, they got keyboard courage, they won't do a damn thing. The issue of life, humanity has to be protected by the culture. We are involved in that culture and we will protect policies and promote policies that protect life. Mr. Bain, thoughts on this case? Earlier in the show, brother, you talked about the need for a paradigm shift. Yeah. And I think that's still relevant. And here, these are the remnants, the, the the particles that have continued to travel through time from chattel slavery, in which property supersedes person. So mm. that's what we're seeing in a super capitalistic material society where human life, of course, there are no charges going to be put against them. Of course, because they did the job of law enforcement. These were the original slave catchers. This was the original position, protect property. So until there's a radical again, and I say revolutionary shift in the way that we approach safety, we are going to see more, unfortunately, more of this and unnecessary lives lost. They did not, in what you read, they did not call the police. They waited, they waited, and then they murdered someone. Yeah, all right, well said. There's a man who was convicted wrongfully and spent years in prison because of the testimony of one person. Put up the man's picture, his name is Broadwater. He was convicted of rape, he didn't do it. He was convicted because of corrupt cops and a lying witness. A judge has now vacated Mr. Broadwater's rape conviction. In November 2021, after a movie producer, you gotta think about how this happened. A movie producer gathering research for his film had doubts about his culpability and suggested that law enforcement re-examine the case. Put up his picture again, okay? This man would still be in prison right now, this very moment. If it had not been for this one film producer, and we're gonna give him some highlights on Indisputable. Once they did, investigators saw inconsistencies and flaws in the case that supported the radical conviction reversal after 30 years. Since the ruling has been overturned, the 61 year old man has filed a wrongful conviction lawsuit against the state. Good for him, we got more to this story. He also plans to sue the county DA's office, the city of Syracuse police, accusing the agencies of egregious misconduct, according to Davis Vanguard. Here's some background to why he was convicted. Mr. Broadwater was convicted of raping Alice Siebold in 1981. 
She was an 18 year old student at Syracuse University. She said he violated her in a tunnel in Thorndon Park Amphitheater near the school's campus when she was a freshman. That was her claim. Seabold went on to be a successful author, publishing the New York Times bestselling book, Lucky. She told of a prosecutor claiming that Broadwater tricked her into picking the wrong man out of the lineup. She picked the wrong guy. Prosecutors claim Broadwater had requested Hudson, who was serving time, be added to the lineup. Broadwater denied making that request. So here's what happened, all right? So now there's a lineup. The cops are saying, okay, you picked the wrong person, but that's because the other person looks so much like the person that we know did it. So you gotta pick this other person, you were just tricked, okay? The story gets deeper. During the two day trial as a result of her sole testimony, no DNA, no other witnesses, just her testimony that she was sure Broadwater was the man who raped her, he was convicted of the crime. Then she wrote a novel, she's a successful author. She wrote a novel, in the novel she wrote about the alleged assault. Detailing how five months after the incident, she was able to identify the black man who raped her. Though the author said she was able to identify Broadwater when he walked innocently down the street and in the courtroom during the trial, she was unable to pinpoint him in a police lineup with other black men. She instead had chosen a man standing next to Broadwater, Henry Hudson, because they reportedly looked alike. Because he refused to change his story, maintaining his innocence for the entirety of his incarceration. He was denied early release five times in the year of the release of Siebold's acclaimed novel, Broadwater had to register as a sex offender. She's living her best life. He never committed the crime. There's more. Before this incident, Mr. Broadwater had absolutely no criminal record whatsoever. In 2021, Timothy McCanty was hired to be the executive producer of the adaption or adaptation of the book Lucky and saw things not adding up. Isn't this ironic? He was translating her book into film and as he's reading the book, he's saying, wait a minute. This woman likely put away an innocent man. But his spirit would not allow him just to sit on that information. So he spent his own money and hired a private investigator to unpack the case and help assess if the man convicted of the rape was not actually the man who did it. Private investigator Dan Myers, a former police officer, he's a good guy. Served 20 years, told the Washington Post that after speaking to the man once for an hour, he knew the man was innocent. Within five months of this meeting, Broadwater's name has been completely cleared. Systemic failure, systemic failure, systemic failure. But you had some private citizens who gave a damn. You know how you can start transforming the system? Be a private citizen who gives a damn. This man now has his life back and has an opportunity to continue living because citizens gave a damn. Remember that you are empowered, all right? Bang, what are your thoughts on this? Sister, what a tragic story, um, bittersweet. 
you know, thankful that he was liberated. But 30 years of your life for something you did not do and to carry, you know, sin is sin, but to be called a rapist, a convicted rapist must be a heavy, heavy cross to bear, Joe. knowing you're innocent, fighting to, to prove it. To your point, systems have failed us in this country on many levels. Systems are made of people. Mm-hmm. They are made of individuals. So the individual has power and we have to start unifying, collecting ourselves around that power. Tragic story, but happy that the brother is home. Yeah. Well, brother, I appreciate all that you do, man. You are a leader, a scholar, and an advocate extraordinaire. All the time. It's a pleasure having you on Indisputable. Right, Tell right, people right. About, thank you, brother. Tell people how they can check you out, follow your work. Oh man, check us out about ccd.org. Community Capacity Development, the Human Justice Network. Always, always a pleasure to be on Indisputable with my big bro. Salute, peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.